0: Hi everybody, welcome to another Parkerport Report podcast interview. This is Roy. Welcome to our first interview of 2024. Uh, Caligula's Horse are back with a new album called Charcoal Grace, which is due out on January 26th. They also have an upcoming headlining tour in North America. Uh, Daniel Levy and I got a chance to speak with lead guitarist and main songwriter Sam Vallon about the new album, the upcoming tour, and a whole lot more. So stay tuned for that. But before we get started, just a reminder to subscribe to our YouTube channel, wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on all our socials and on pragueport.com. And now our interview with Sam Vallon from Caligula's Horse. So um, first of all, how have you been? How's everything going? Uh, Doing okay?
1: Yeah, everything's been good. It's been a little bit of a whirlwind, actually, because like um, the Charcoal Grace lead up was obviously quite well, it was, it was long. It was quite difficult. It took us a while to sort of work out what we were doing, you know, in terms of like the direction all of that kind of stuff. But of course it was then immediately finished video clips tour, like all of that stuff just kind of started. And it feels like only now we're catching our breath right as it's about to be released. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah. it's great. A um, lot of, lot of anticipation and excitement in our camp.
0: Yeah. The album comes out on January 26th. Like you said, charcoal grace, Uh really cool title. I want to get into all of that. Um I wanna go ahead and start just just uh from the end, sort of the tail end of Rise Radiant. Cause mm. I know you guys were super hyped about that record. We loved that record. That was one of our favorites to come out that year. It was like your masterpiece album. And then of yeah, course, yeah, I still got it right here from the reaction <laughs> video.
2: <laughs> ah. yeah,
0: here Look we go. There uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. Nice. I should have had my vinyl copy out as well. But um you know, and then of course uh, you've talked you've talked about it a little bit in the in the stuff leading up to this record, but how you y- you couldn't tour it, you couldn't really get out and promote it like you wanted, and all that stuff, which was a huge bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess very briefly, and not to bring the, the whole thing down a little bit, but start take us back there and and realizing, okay, we can't do this now. What do we do next, and how that led to the next writing sessions and everything
1: yeah it was it was it was a tough time um the thing is like when we finished rise radiant which was late 2019 that was when all the kind of recording mixing all of that stuff wrapped and and we submitted we had no idea we're only just hearing kind of murmurs of you know what would become the pandemic at that point so you know when when all of that was submitted we were still full steam ahead with um we had a big us tour planned you know we had all of this kind of stuff directly on the back of the album release um and of course we had enough of a gap between that and the actual release to kind of see all of that gradually collapse, um, you know, in in real time in front of us. So it, it was it was kind of bittersweet because the 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 reaction that we got from Rise Radiant was was incredibly positive and it was obviously very um Yeah, it it was exciting to see that. But then at the same time, we weren't able to really do the things with an album that we normally do as artists. That is to say, kind of develop that um, appreciation for what the songs really mean when you play them live and you kind of see the audience respond to them and so forth. All of that was just out the window. So post the rise radiant release we kind of went into a little bit of a slump you know on the one hand we had the difficulty of being a band in a time we can't really be a band um i know jim particularly felt this really acutely you know he's like a lead singer he communicates with an audience he does all of this kind of stuff and all of a sudden he's just trapped with his toddler you know just doing 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 uh sort of you know just being a house dad basically and we all felt different um different amounts of that kind of experience but the common thread was that we weren't really able to sort of be the identities that we had developed over those years leading up to that and had become so comfortable in in conjunction with that we also had the difficulty of like leaving rise radiant behind if that makes sense like we knew once we couldn't tour on the back of rise radiant that we weren't really going to be able to just sit on it and wait for the pandemic hopefully to end and then tour on it. We we sort of knew that at some point we would have to start pushing ahead and we all felt some, there was, a, there was a kind of mutual resentment that we felt about the idea that Rise Radiant was just out the door. We did this thing that we love and we've got to just leave it behind and move on. That was, that was a pretty hard pill to swallow. Um, but eventually, and I, I, you know, it's the start of the next story, I suppose, eventually we decided that we did have to do that. And we had a, a fairly protracted period of, kind of musical exploration, just trying to work out what the next direction could reasonably be. Because obviously the world was quite different in you know, 2022, 2023 than it was in 2018 and 19 when we wrote Rise Radiant, a very hopeful album um so you know not to I, I guess not to get too far ahead i'm sure we'll talk about charcoal grace a little bit but yeah. the fundamental concept behind it was um a reflection of the experience that we had in that time and it was the only way that we could really be honest about where we would go after Rise yeah Army that was really that my next
0: experience. question was how how all of that influenced the the next record you know and it seems like it did
1: it it, it really did yeah i mean it, it ended up being something where but uh, because Rise Radiant was so deliberately kind of positive and big and, you know, um, sort of set for the, you know, the stages and things that we were playing at that time, it was very much an album that reflected like our touring experience leading up to, you know, late 2018, early 2019 when we were writing most of it. Um, Charcoal Grace, on the other hand, the the, the very foundational elements of it were that we needed to find some kind of catharsis through the music like we were really struggling to be a band in that time there was a lot that was kind of pushing against us and really not really a, the thing is i want to say writer's block because it's such an intuitive thing to understand like stuff that just stops you from writing but this doesn't feel like a typical writer's block it was really more just that we felt like well we just didn't feel inspired to be a band in that particular setting you know the the kind of post-rise radiant sort of stasis that we were in so we deliberately set out to make something that felt like um for lack of better words a kind of exorcism of those periods like we get it all out you know we put it all in this record and we we make it one um sort of concerted artistic statement that can just go out into the world and then exist and that's exactly how that influenced charcoal great so that that's why it's you know quite a dark album and quite a um long thoughtful kind of protracted album compared to rise radiant a little bit more kind of punchy and um you know immediate i suppose um, but that, yeah, I mean that's that's how you know that's how that background kind of worked into that. Um, that said, you know, once we started actually writing it, once we got over that hump, um, it was it was pretty empowering to do because in a lot of ways it was really the first um, interaction with Caligula's horse that we'd had for a while. We obviously did some touring in the back of um, Rise Radiant like this year, especially and a little bit late last year. But for the most part, the creative side of Caligula's horse had really just ended in you know early 2020 or whatever it was. And we had just had to find it again. Once we did, it was, you know, really exciting and empowering again.
2: Yeah. So it, it's a kind of, they have kind of contrasting themes, right? Rise Radiant mm. and Charcoal Grace. A- and I know it's unfortunate the way it happened with Rise Radiant. I say that as a fan, as someone that really loves that album in particular. Mm. But it the reason I love it so much is that it came out when it did. Because mm. it spoke about so many Uh, specific themes that helped you push through a difficult time that everyone was having, you know? So that was a really important special Mm -hmm. album for me back then. But just so I I kind of understand the timeline, when did you actually start recording or working on the new album? Was it, (laughs) 2021 you know
1: yeah it's surprisingly Uh, hard uh, to answer that there there were a couple of um small sections of the record that we started working on sort of post rise radiant like really before the pandemic had hit full force and we kind of knew what we were in for um we started writing in earnest I reckon late 2022, maybe even early 2023. It was around that period. Like um, probably late 2022, we started sort of putting ideas together. We had a little bit of a pool of ideas at that time. I kind of hinted at that in that earlier answer. Like we, we basically started writing in a slightly different way than we have in the past by just saying, look, we need to just generate a bunch of musical ideas and see if we can find a common direction that makes sense for us. Whereas in the past, um, we tend to take a slightly more deliberate approach. You know, the album is going to be kind of about this. This is what we want to kind of write what we want to kind of create. So it's, I guess it's worth adding that I didn't really explain that. Um, I didn't really go into any detail on that before, but I, I think, I think 2022 would have been when we started kind of working on it. Um, actually maybe even a little earlier now i think about it maybe even mid 2022 deliberately but it was a slow process like we started piecing these things together and we we realized that um although it's not the most traditional of kind of concept albums quote unquote um it does have a bunch of shared themes and so it was important to us that we had a bunch of shared motifs throughout it as well mm-hmm. so it feels a little bit more like a you know start to finish listening experience something that makes sense to listen in a single sitting even if it is a little bit on the long side for that i suppose Probably people get into that right i mean i know i do Mm-mm. um <laughs> but uh, yeah i think from the actual beginnings of writing the you know the little shreds that we put together in 2020 and maybe 2021 It's probably the longest we've actually spent writing a record, just because, again, there were so many periods of just getting to know what we were doing. So, you know, it's worth saying, even me saying 2022 or whatever, like really that there were were little glimpses all throughout the previous years, us just trying our best to stay afloat as a band in that time.
2: And I don't know if you agree with this, but maybe this aspect of the album is even kind of noticeable, because if you compare it to a couple of the previous albums, it's an album that you know, it sometimes goes down and just stays there for a while, you know, it takes its time, it develops all the themes with like, you know, the right way to do it. It just doesn't go like, okay, let's do the next thing, the next thing, the next, you know, it kind of takes its time. I think it's noticeable in the sense that how you wrote it, I guess. So would you say that just kind of happened naturally?
1: I would say, like, I, I think you're exactly right. I think that's probably one of the biggest um, just broad brush, like sonic differences to our previous stuff, especially an album like Rise Rating, which was very immediate and quite condensed, you know, quite mm-hmm. um, quite tight in that way. I, the way I describe it is it's, it's a bit more thoughtful. It takes a little bit more time with those ideas. And yeah, I think a big part of that was that we, you know, we we spent time just exploring, realizing that if we were going to try and get these these ideas that the songs became about, because again, it's this catharsis, the idea of trying to you know get rid of all of the, the all of the kind mm-hmm. of anger and resentment that we were feeling at that time. It would be crazy to try and sort of stick them all together in these really um, really uh, you know simplistic and punchy, arrangements it just wouldn't work it wouldn't honor the themes or the music particularly well so i think it was perhaps a result of the writing but i think more than anything it's probably a result of the themes you know they need a bit more space and mm-hmm. the dynamics more than ever before needed a bit of room to develop not that that's something we shy away from of course mm-hmm. but it definitely felt like this um had an especially strong need for that that yeah. writing approach
0: i've heard bands say before when they're working on records that they get into the writing sessions and they just keep writing stuff until they stumble upon something where they go that's it Th- this this is what the album's going to sound like it there's like a centerpiece to it and then they start coming up with what the album is did that happen here and what's well, a multiple question like when do you know that mm-hmm. happens and and was there a song that that happened with
1: it's a good question yeah i mean on, on the one hand um at least in the past like what you know where writing has been a little bit quicker and easier because you've been touring so much we've been working together so much um this this did take a little bit longer intrinsically but there were a couple of ideas in the record one that comes to mind is the song golem which is the first single where in a way it almost feels like a bit of an outlier from the rest of the record maybe that and some of the other sort of shorter songs of which there are few, (laughs) relatively few. Um, Those were actually some of the things that were written, you can probably tell as I say this, but written kind of in the wake of Rise Radiant. Um, I know the yeah. golden riff was actually something that I was toying with as like a solo thing for a while, Roy. You remember my brief exploration of solo stuff, which yeah, yeah. I abandoned to get back into the Cleague. <laughs> just to horse get something right. Well, everybody was looking to do something, <laughs> exactly. right? So so yeah, that was actually amongst those same sessions that riff, and you know, it was really just the, the guys saying they they liked it and they wanted to use it that I started fashing into a Cleague Horse song. But you can sort of hear how, in a way, it's atypical of the album, right? Like it's almost the opposite of what you are kind of asking me about. Yeah. That was that was probably the first song we finished and we really liked it but it didn't really set the scene for what the record would right. be. I actually have a memory of of, of the, the moment that we kind of knew and I think it was when we were working on the world breathes with me which was one of the earliest songs we wrote out of uh, out of the record and I remember I, I think I had the verse section I had a couple of other little parts and Jim and I was sort of workshopping you know like the, the the vocals and the lyrics and the way that came together And Dale and I sat down just for like a, we set aside a solid eight hours just to write. And I remember before he came over, I came up with like that little clean guitar motif that happens in the bridge. Mm -hmm. And we realized that it was kind of cool enough to explore a bit more. And within the one session, I had the whole intro and then the whole bridge kind of worked out alongside Dale. And I think stylistically, like in terms of the musical approach of the record, I feel like it's about as emblematic as anything. It's kind of, it's big, it's very bittersweet. It's not, Maudlin, like it's not you know it's not it's not literally mourning something, but mm. it does have that sort of intrinsic sense of longing to it, which I think is so thematically emblematic of the record. Yeah. Um. So I remember I remember sort of putting those parts together. Uh, as I say, this it's no coincidence that that motif is used throughout the album a couple of times as well. Right. Um. It. It. it I, I remember sending it to the guys. You know, sending it to Jim and Josh, Dale, and I were really stoked with it. And it was just an immediate moment of cool. This is this is what we're this is what we're after. Golem's awesome, but this is what we're trying to do. You know, mm-hmm. this oh, makes yeah. a lot. Of sense with what we're what we're putting together. Yeah. The, the thing about Golem is
2: that it does feel like a song that could have been in Rise Radiant. You know, totally. It, totally. Right. It kind of. I, I even mentioned that in the reaction video, but it's, it kind of sounds like. Uh slow violence violence a little bit, at least the main yeah. riff
1: it's that same the- kind of vibe you know what the difference is it's that it has like very little um, kind of layering and ornamentation like that mm-hmm. that was actually something that we very deliberately did for slow violence as well like the idea of you know we're going to put a shorter punchier song together let's try and make it just drums guitar and bass and then yeah, like know, raw cool. yeah 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 really raw really austere and that was uh, like during the rise radiant period I was really interested in doing that stuff I hadn't written Golem at that time but as I said it was very soon after so you know, it's probably still in that headspace, but no, you're, you're, you're completely right. I totally agree. So uh, I want to ask you about the
2: title track. Uh, mm. First, how did that came to be the centerpiece of the album? It's the longest song of the album, but you also decided to break it up into four parts. So what's the the decision process in there?
1: Mm. Um, yeah. chocolate Grace is a, is a pretty, I guess, notable one in our catalog. Like it's the first time we've explored something of that scope. And as you say, you know, it's a a suite as opposed to a single song. Um, So it started with, it started with Prey. And there was a period actually where Prey, you know, part one of the Charcoal Mm Grey Suite, was going to be standalone. We hadn't really decided how far it would go in the early writing sessions. Um, But we realized that we had... With the intro and then with kind of the way the verse and that pre-chorus kind of chant section developed, we realized we had a lot of thematic material, both in a kind of lyrical sense and in a musical sense, like there was a lot of things to stretch out. One of my um, preoccupations with writing is this idea of not wasting a motif like you know if you've got something that's cool whether it's a riff or whether it's a chord progression or a melody or whatever else i don't like something just appearing and really having no other reference points to the song sometimes that can be very musically effective but for the most time for, for the most part if you know something is introduced i love to be able to at least refer to it throughout the rest yeah, play, of the
2: play play with it a little more right yeah. exactly
1: right so so with that you know we we had a lot of material to play with we started sketching out what the song was going to be about it was originally going to be um a much smaller snapshot of like you know this this person with a with a dying parent that they never reconnected with we realized there was a much more interesting narrative that we could dig into if we sort of explored it um we explored the idea with a little bit more kind of implied background and slowly we weave together this you know larger story developed as the music developed but it became obvious once we started building the music and realized this was going to be a long piece of music that one of the one of the qualities that made it different than, say, something like Graves or maybe some of the other longer songs we've done in the past was that it was very clearly kind of demarcated between these different stylistic boundaries. Like, if you listen to Prey versus A World Without, Prey is very kind of typical of us arrangement-wise, you know, it's kind of a slightly more orchestral take, perhaps, on our music, but it's, you know metal guitars and bass with a lot of dynamics, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And then we go into a world without, which is very acoustic guitar and kind of jangly telecaster, kind of Jeff Buckley-oriented type of stuff. We, you know, and that's true of all four chapters in in, in the suite. So we sort of realized that um, if we put them as a single song, that would be fine, but it made more sense to treat them as individuals. And as, as we decided that, it introduces this really interesting challenge in the writing, which was... I wanted to make each one of them be able to be listened to as a single song, which Mm -hmm. is really quite hard to do. I I think especially like in the context of like, you know, they work here and they work there and both uh, hopefully, I don't want to say seamless because they're not, but the kind of thing that if if you heard one on a shuffle playlist, it would make sense. I just got really excited by that challenge. It's a kind of (laughs) versatility that you're not used
2: to doing when considering an unusual album, right?
1: Yeah, it's a challenge that, that we never really had to take on because, you know, something like Graves, you're assuming that you're going to listen to it from the start to the finish. And right. look, the reality is that most people who listen to Charcoal Grace will probably listen to the whole thing and will will perform it as the whole thing. But it was just, you know, it's one of these things I, I I like to when I'm when I'm crafting music, I like to while having emotion as the centerpiece and the goal, I like to try and make everything else um say conform to some, you know, big idea, like in the case of this, I just got excited by the fact that I could have four discrete songs that could also be listened to as, you know, one long listening experience. And the problem is once I get, you know, onto something like that, I can't stop, I have to do it. So it became quite a challenge, but I'll I'll tell you one funny piece of trivia, um, 24 minutes, it goes for, it could have kept going. We, We were sort of writing the conclusory sections, And it was only because we couldn't fit it on a side of a vinyl after that point. So I had to Uh, work out a way to uh, wrap it up. You had to scale it down, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, who knows how long that stupid thing would have been. Um, But no, I, I remember getting to 24, you know, getting to 20 minutes and thinking, man, I've got all these things. I have to wrap them all up a ghost just closed my door. I have to wrap them all up. Um, you know, if, if I don't, um, it's going to be a whole, it's going to be a mess. It won't feel like it's Mm -hmm. meant to feel. So at that point I just, you know, decided let's work out how to end the song, but it could have kept going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you, uh, when you, do you and Jim, when you guys get together, uh, to write or, or do you write together? Actually was going to be my question. Uh, or do you write the music first and he writes the lyrics later are you passing
1: ideas back and forth what's the normal usual process so a process is i'm going to say like kind of unusual in in the context of of prog metal we we see it as like a very holistic approach to writing usually it goes something like this i'll sort of come up with a musical idea. Maybe it's a couple of paired musical ideas, like to suggest a structure. And usually in the very beginning of those demos, I'll have a very deliberate sense of like how the how the rhythm feels, like how the drum arrangement works and stuff like that. Um, I'll give that to Jim. He'll sort of throw down some simlish, like, you know, just kind of um, wordless m- melodies. We'll start building stuff together. Sometimes I'll come up with melodies. melody, sometimes he will. But either way, we get to the point very quickly where we're sort of workshopping lyrics over the top of a very you know like a very small portion of music and once we've got those lyrics that then sort of feeds into how we'll approach the next section or how we'll you know contrast or perhaps align with the direction of that so so in other words like the music and the lyrics are both inspiring one another you've got this sort of back and forth it's like a tennis match between the two of you Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. And the cool thing is, we both step on each other's toes heaps. You know, I'll I'll have lyrics and stuff like that. He'll have sort of musical ideas. He actually wrote a good portion of the um the visual acoustic guitar, for example. Like you know, Jim does occasionally write music stuff as well. So we um yeah we 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 have this really really refined sort of back and forth approach. Like, you know, I remember way back in 2012 and 2013, how it, you know, it would almost come to blows half the time when we were doing this, like we would (laughs) fight so hard over ideas. Nowadays, we just know, (laughs) you know, we just know what's going to work. And I think we trust each other way more. So you know, it, sometimes I'll send an idea that'll do nothing for him. Sometimes he'll send, you know, some lyrics or something across that I just won't be into at all, and we'll re- we'll we'll change it, we'll refine it. If one of us feels really strongly about something like that, it 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 never goes to a fight unless it really has to. But the mm-hmm. thing is, it's very rare that kind of stuff happens nowadays. Anyway, we yeah. you know, uh, we, we know each other point. well enough. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So so we're talking about all the the new songs and stuff, and of course you got a an upcoming. Uh, headlining tour in the us Mm. coming up i'm really excited because i'm watching you guys for the first time i'm seeing you in la with a couple friends i might actually watch a second show trying to work that out but uh, i'm also curious on what you're playing because i i love the new album Mm. i would love to see a couple of my favorite songs storm chaser and mute in particular my two favorites uh, but also, I never saw any of your stuff live, so I want to see <laughs> yeah. Graves. I want to see you play the, the stuff from Rise Radiant, which is my favorite. So it's, it's yeah. I know it's for you, it's hard to balance, and I'm curious what's your approach to making a sell list this time.
1: I, I, I'm glad you're so aware of the challenge that we. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. <laughs> I like the thing is, it's something that we've. Um, when we tour somewhere like europe or especially australia it's frankly pretty easy to make a set list most of the time because we know what we did last time you know we Mm -hmm. we know um what songs we need to play we also know what slots we have to sort of explore some different tunes and whatever else but yeah the states it's 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 much trickier because as you say we've we've never actually toured played it you know prog power a couple of times or whatever else but we've never actually done like a headline set and we have soon to be six albums to balance across them um the short version is that we are treating it more as kind of a greatest hit set with the f- the, the feature of charcoal grace. So having you know the the important sort of. Songs from that, nice. and then also stuff like Graves. Not to spoil things ahead of time, um, just so you know, the, the people who never got to sort of see the crowd favorites will get those. So that, that's that's my diplomatic answer. It's gonna be gonna be kind of a bit more of a crowd favorite approach than it would be say for Europe or Australia or something like that. Nice. Um, but I, I got to be careful; I don't spoil too much. Um, yeah, there, there'll no. be there'll be stuff from every record. That that's the that's the main takeaway.
2: Okay, that that's good news. Awesome. So yeah, I'm really excited to see. You. It's gonna be a great show, I'm sure. Uh, and I'm also curious, one, one quick question mm-hmm. as the guitar nerd that I am. So yeah. what about your setup? How does it differ when you go into a tour in the US for what you generally play in Australia or closer shows? Are you like playing plugins or amps? What, what's your usual configuration there?
1: Um it, it's generally the same most places in the world and that's really only because I'm I'm very happy with how my how my setup works now. Um long story short we did a tour with Opeth way back around the bloom era around Australia where I remember having like almost everything go wrong around hired gear and cabs and whatever else. So for a long time, I remember, I distinctly remember the very moment that tour ended just saying, cool, never doing that again. And (laughs) since then I've used, um, you know, like, uh, like floorboards, I used the the fractal effects for years. Now I'm using the Mm -hmm. neural DSP quad cortex. Um, But basically my, my rig is, Comedically small. It's a little pedal board. I pick it up, but it's all plugged in right now. A little pedal board with a quad cortex, a wireless, a tuner, a couple, a couple of little things like that um Mm -hmm. and i run midi out of our in monitor rack which we use for our click track and our tracks and that kind of stuff so that does all my switching and stuff for me so that can sit at the back of stage if need be and other than that all i've got um, my guitars and i'm going to be um testing can you see it behind me there yeah yeah yeah. he's out on that too so no no amps anymore anymore. i
0: mean it's amazing how that's not
2: a thing. not for a while it's
1: wild and and also
2: no switching sounds it's the best thing
1: ever you can just play yeah well that's it i mean because you know the, the thing about the thing that we realized, like, you know, being a band who at least prior to 2020 it as much as we did, we sort of saw every element go wrong at different times. You know, I've had many an amp blow up. I've one of the really common ones is actually just hiring guitar cabinets and they just sound like garbage. Like you can't bring those with you on a plane. But yeah. you have to then be at the mercy of, you know, whatever you can get from the higher place. So what, what we sort of realized was that if we wanted consistency doing in-ear monitors and doing um, what you call like an FRFR, set up like a um, full range flat response um, kind of system where you don't have a mic in front of a cab, you have a direct out emulating a cab. It was just much more consistent, like both for those listening out the front and for us. Yeah. But it does have a downside. I mean, it does mean that you don't get... Um, you know the kind of stage vibe. Those up the front can sometimes be disadvantaged right. depending on the venue setup. Like, you know, it, it's it's a trade off, but it's a trade off that um, I, I I would never even think about changing again. Even if I do, sometimes miss having a loud amp behind me. You know, it is what it is, I guess. But not yeah. having
0: to lug all that lug that gear around. My goodness. Oh a, man. What a change. Yeah.
1: Well, that's weird. it. Like, you know, now it's really more that we're kind of lugging sort of rack pieces and stuff around just yeah. to make sure that, you know, we've got like our IEMs and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's I mean, compared to what we were touring with in like 2015, 16, it's um it's night and day. Like it's just so easy and so consistent. It's yeah. wonderful.
0: Well, awesome, man. Awesome, awesome uh, catching up with you. Uh, the new album's Killer. Can't wait for everybody to hear. It comes out on January 26th, Charcoal Grace, and the band. When does the tour kick off uh, exactly? Uh,
1: I believe January 31, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Very right, right end end January. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And then runs through February, all sorts of dates on there. Uh, right. And uh, you have Earthside opening?
1: We uh, do. Oh, man. I can't wait. Like, absolutely really cool. Band. So I've been a follower for a long time.
2: Yeah, actually, uh, awesome. I saw a lot of comments in, in our latest video, the best of the year, people saying that we should check out some of their stuff. And I'm guilty mm, of never mm. having listening to them. But but. In preparing for
1: the you know show, what, man? I'll have to... so many
0: albums get thrown at us uh, yeah. all the time. And, I, I
1: bet they do. I bet and they we do. miss I mean, some.
0: It's just, it just happens. It's yeah, impossible. Like
1: Earthside are quite different because it's, you know, very cinematic. Obviously they've got their, their kind of shtick being like all of the guest, um, guest yeah. vocalists that they have right. and stuff, but it's honestly just really cool, like very motivic, very emotional sort of music. Um, yeah. I don't know it sort of tickles me the right way, that's for sure. It's yeah, awesome. very cool. Uh all
0: right, man. We'll be in touch uh soon again. Wonderful. We'll see you on, on the on tour on some shows. Uh check out the singles online uh and all that stuff. And uh yeah, keep up with the band. We'll see you soon, man. Awesome. Congrats on the
2: album. Nice meeting you, man. Yeah. Yeah, you too. Have a see
0: good you night. Guys. Bye. Or a good day. Oh yeah. <laughs> you have a good all night. Right. See you, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks to Sam for the interview. Don't forget the new Caligula's Horse album, Charcoal Grace, is due out on January 26th. There's a few singles out now, so please check them out. For upcoming news, reviews, interviews, and more, check out parkport.com, follow us on all our socials, wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks.